This is Sarge Summers with Sarge's Industry Solutions. Perfect, perfect. And it's called Sarge's Industry Solutions is the name of your company? That's right. And what is that uh, company, Sarge's Industry Solutions? Well, it started out as a consulting business, but it's morphed over into more of a company where we represent uh, different customers' products and or services. Okay, I see. Are you kind of like a, a salesman then, as kind of a sales, marketing, a connector, that sort of thing? Uh, we do. We open doors. Open we doors. Open doors. Yep. Do you, do you close them doors. too? You know, everybody <laughs> everybody loves a closer. <laughs> we, uh, I'm very good at closing. I've been uh, in sales since I was five years old. So, yeah, I'm, I'm good at closing. What Now, what kind of sales did you start at five years old? You know, I started selling newspapers on the streets. Uh, in a small town in Oklahoma, I was one of 16 uh, members of our family, and so uh, we all started working at a, at a very early age. In my case, I was five years old. Sure. Yeah, I can relate. I was 10. I started a newspaper uh, route myself. Yeah. Obviously, did some odd jobs before then, but in terms of uh, consistent pay, and I still attribute that to a lot to today, because what that taught me at a young age was distribution, that... Sure. The the newspaper industry really had a heck of a distribution system. They were going door to door just like the mailmen were. And, Absolutely. Yeah, and so what I did when I think I was twelve, I started handing out flyers that I would cut lawns while I delivered the newspaper and look at that. Turned in multiple revenue streams by the time I was twelve years old. Now if I could only learn what I knew then, what's going on? <laughs> So, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. Actually, that's one of the reasons why I brought you on the program today is to talk about the dynamics and the changing, uh, everything that's happened in sales, especially. Uh, I read an article the other day where the number one preferred way for people to communicate now is text or email before they even, and phone was like 100. To call somebody on the phone was like listed after, you know, um, singing it in song. So, I mean, it was, it was just almost... People try not to talk or go face-to-face -face anymore, and I was wondering if this was a, that much of a growing trend in the sales world, too, or if that's like just a case of millennials today, or what's going on. Um, so what are you experiencing in, in your world in terms of how people are communicating? Are people picking up the phone and talking, or do they like the text and email first? Yeah, uh, obviously, email has been around for a long time, and, and we've used that. Uh, but I, I would say texting uh, is, is becoming quickly the preferred method, uh, either that or instant messaging. Uh, and, and, you know, at one time that was considered taboo. There was no way in the world that you would send a, a text to a customer or a prospective customer, uh, but that has definitely changed over time. And, and I do a lot of texting, you know, and I'm, I'm old school, if you will. I'm 66 years old. Uh, that have been in the industry now for 27 years after a, a full military career of 21 years in the Army. But, uh, yeah, texting's the way to go, I think. So that's one of the things I've noticed is the evolution of just the whole sales call, if you will, from the old days of, you know, door-to-door -door sales, and then, of course, it went to phone sales. And then now it seems like – so is it is there texting – what are those robocalls? Is there – uh, robo text going on i suppose there probably is isn't there um in there, terms is, of, there is oh is there, there is. really i was being ridiculous yeah. but okay yeah no we're starting to we're starting to see some of that as well unfortunately and one of the things that you didn't mention was uh, the cold calls and uh yeah that doesn't that doesn't work real well these days it used to used to be fine and i, I still do it on occasion but but 
on a very rare occasion. You know, that is one thing I think a lot of people have really forgot is the art of selling and how mm-hmm. much has changed. And nowadays, it's almost it almost seems really important to get people face-to-face because if you can get them face-to-face, there's probably a pretty good chance you can get their business these days because it's so hard to get people face-to-face. Absolutely. You see, <laughs> I, you know, I believe that the, the, the phone... Uh, is a tool just to get the appointment and that's that's all I use the telephone for uh, is to get the appointment and then once I get the appointment and and I have that face-to-face it just seems to work so much better yeah it really does and of course you've worked in the oil and gas industry and and talk about an industry that still wants to press the flesh and you know and, 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 and see your eyeballs at least once a year huh Absolutely, and I'm still in the industry. So, yeah, talk to me a little bit about that because um, you know we talked about the general sales part of it, but um, in the oil and gas industry, that whole industry's changed. The hydro- hydraulic fracturing, um, you know, horizontal drilling has made businesses rewrite their their business plan. And then I talked to the saltwater guy uh, yesterday, and their numbers keep coming in more projected higher than they thought so that industry is still tweaking a little bit of course you got the frack sand that got competitive right. boy these right. envi- environmental guys they're going to kill each other by the end of the day that's turning <laughs> into the hatfield mccoy industry so you that's, know what i mean it's like it's like it's it, the whole industry is going through these ripples of changes so i thought having a sales guy to talk a little bit about you know we, we have to do things a little bit differently in sales now too would would uh, maybe help some people out so uh, talk to me about how, how you've approached the oil and gas industry specifically when it comes to sales over the last 10 years okay well one of the things that one of the things that I do is I make sure that I attend all of the important uh, you know trade shows and or conferences across the United States especially uh, those that are in oil and gas shell play areas uh, like West Texas the Permian Basin up in the Bakken uh, the Marcellus and the Utica uh, down in the Eagle Ford Shell down in South Texas. And so I think it's important that what we do is stay in front of those uh, clients at all times, at all levels. And that's that's where a lot of salespeople or business development people really miss out is they believe that they only need to call at one level in the strata, if you will, but they need to be calling at all levels because what happens is you've got uh, you know you've got influencers maybe at the very lowest level out there where they're drilling you know at the drill site where they're where they're spudding in uh, the well and so those individuals influence the decision uh, that the corporate folks make I know there's different layers along the way different levels of leadership if you will but it's important that we call on all the different levels and that we use all the influence that is available to us in our sphere of influence. How well do you use social media? That's how you and I connected was on social media. How's that working for somebody in the world of sales? Well, I think it works extremely well. When I first got into it about six years ago, I had a young engineer uh, that had graduated from the Air Force Academy and gone on to the University of Texas and, and received his MBA. And he kept saying to me, Sarge, the way that you like to mentor young people uh, you need to be on LinkedIn. And I said, no, no, I don't. I said, I looked at it as being something like at that time, MySpace or Facebook. And I said, I'm not interested in that. Well, he stayed on me and I was president of the Society of American Military Engineers for the Nashville, Tennessee Post at that time. And so he finally convinced me and I got on there and I said, well, I'll just give it a test. 
Because what happened, there was a customer, I don't guess I'm allowed to say the name of the customer, but I had a customer in the oil and gas industry that I wanted to do some work for, but I couldn't get past the gatekeeper. And so what I did is I went ahead and got on LinkedIn and uh, got got an appointment, uh, went over to San Antonio, had the appointment, walked away with a request for quotation, and ended, ended up getting a job for over $20 million uh, up in the Bakken. And uh, trust me, from that time forward, I was uh, I was a big time believer, and now I have well over eleven thousand connections on LinkedIn. I tell you, I was the same way with LinkedIn. I <clears throat> I purposely didn't go on LinkedIn until I want to say a little over a year ago. Two thousand and eighteen was the first year mm-hmm. I was on LinkedIn. Right. And same reason, I was not a big social media guy, and you know, I went you know being in the media. A lot of times we, we had to just draw a line in the sand and figure out, okay, I'm not getting paid by anybody to do this, but yet now I got to do 50% of my day to this. This is not adding up right. And so we just kind of went off it. We did, you know, we, we made some changes because we went through a number of changes. In fact, we don't even do advertising anymore. That's how we made our change in our business model was we don't do advertising anymore. We, we, we're focused on distribution and content creation. So, yeah, and so we had to come up with something completely new, and social media really helped us. LinkedIn is what opened my eyes to that, as, as it did with you, was it was not like the other social medias. This one actually helped your business, and people wanted to be there, and uh, they wanted to use it for business reasons, not, you know, to show how their, you know, their dog's latest trick is doing which i don't mind by the way but um, right, you know, people right. people leave that off of linkedin they don't seem to put those on there but so the social right. media you found to be pretty pretty advantageous but the one thing that i found was that linkedin was primarily heavy on oil and gas users versus the other social media uh, platforms and sounds like you experienced the same yes yeah i took i took full advantage of that and uh, I'm really amazed sometimes at the people that uh, will respond uh, to your LinkedIn request. For example, uh, there was one gentleman who at one time was the president of one of the major uh, oil and gas companies here in the United States. And I just thought, well, you know, it won't hurt to send him an invite. And I put a little note with it and told him that I was a military veteran and that I would love to uh, connect with him on LinkedIn. And he came back and accepted that. I was shocked. It took about a month. And then uh, and then I asked him if we could meet over breakfast. It took about another month. And he came back and gave me two dates, two times, and two locations uh, for a 30-minute breakfast. And two and a half hours later, uh, we walked out of there. And uh, he told me, he said, I don't normally uh, accept invitations like this, but I just had to find out who that Sarge Summers guy was. So it uh, it works. It works. Great name, yeah. Sar- Sarge Summers, it's right in the name. Alliteration, everything. Of course, everybody loves summer vacation. So it's just right. got, it's got sure. a good ring to it. And yeah. yeah. And we've noticed the same thing where we've, grant- we've gotten access to a lot of um, CEOs, a lot of presidents who have followed our content and subscribe to our newsletters and things like that that I don't think we would have gotten otherwise. Um, right. Agree with you at the conferences. You know, after that 2012, 2013, when the when the um, kind of the rock star appeal of the shale play USA kind of went down, the executives, you had to start going to the conferences to find these guys now because they were not touring anymore you know what i mean they that's weren't, true yeah. yeah they weren't yeah. just kind of going you mentioned you did some business up in the Bakken. and we're at the Bakken. where are you doing business 
You know, uh, Williston, uh, primarily, primarily in the Williston area, uh, that's where we built four above-ground storage tanks, and it was over $20 million worth of work. And the project uh, took a long time, obviously went through uh, four different seasons, uh, which up there can be can be brutal, right? And uh, But it was an above-ground storage tank company that I represent. I represent, uh, you know, about 15 different companies currently. And uh, so it was one of those companies and uh, turned out to be a, a really, really uh, great project uh, for my client. So what kind of, by the way, Sarge Summers, Sarge's Industry Solutions, uh, primarily he's a connector, he's a door opener, he's a uh-huh. salesman, modern day, new, new age salesman. Uh, what, what type of um, you know, business, I guess, do you connect? What type of clients do you serve? Just go ahead and give your, your, uh, yourself a plug for some of the things in oil and gas that you're doing, maybe some of the clients either you need uh, you're representing, uh, may or may not mention their names, up to you, all that type of thing. But just kind of give people a flavor of what that sales side of things is. Well, uh, given the opportunity, I'd, I'd love to mention some of the names of uh, some of my clients. I have uh, Caldwell Tanks out of Louisville, Kentucky, and they've been in business for about 140 years. And they do above-ground storage tanks, ASTs. I call them MITBs, which is money in the bank. And uh, so they do that. They do elevated water towers and pre-stressed concrete tanks. Uh, I have another customer out of Longview uh, called TriW Global, and they built ASME pressure uh, vessel equipment for flowback uh, out in the uh, in the upstream. And uh, then I have four inspection companies. Each one does something different. I have a coatings and linings company. And most of these companies that I represent are not in the Houston area, and and hence the need for representation uh, here locally. And uh, with the uh, with the uh, relationships that I've built uh, over the last 27 years, it's it's pretty easy for me to get into the boardroom, get in with all of the key decision makers in order to introduce my uh, my clients to to them, and also uh, get opportunities for projects. And so that's what I do. I go out and and get these requests for quotations for my clients, and then they bid the work, and and then hopefully, uh, and, you know, hopefully they get uh, the majority of that work. And it's uh, it's it's something that's a little bit new. I had the president of uh, IMTT out of New Orleans. He called me early one morning, and he said, "Sarge, you're the only guy uh, that I know that's doing what you're doing in the industry." And I I corrected him just a little bit, and I said, "No, I'm the only guy doing what I'm doing the way I do it." And uh, so I started my company a little over three years ago. I was 22 days shy of my 63rd birthday, and I figured if Colonel Sanders could do it, then I could do it. Uh, the difference is he had the recipe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's about three, four years ago when I started seeing uh, the need and the shift for specific sales companies because of a lot of times, you know, if they had access to certain people or a lot of times people just didn't have the time to do some of those tedious sales uh skills that are needed and so i i've seen a couple of these companies like yours just pop up and then you know they got a handful of clients but the idea is is that you know they're basically a sales department and they're out there they're hustling you know good old charlie hustle type of a thing because surprisingly a lot of engineers are more linear thinkers they're not abstract thinkers you know especially right. especially right. engineers you know we That's we right. once had an engineer in our sales company he didn't sell a thing but he told us the best way to you know um travel with a vehicle if, if you go over like 250 miles you should always rent it and he had it down to the penny you know some great some great math uh 
delineation, but not much in the creative department. That's for sure. So um. that's right. <laughs> well, one of the things, one of the things too that I would I would suggest uh, as it relates to LinkedIn, what I do is I try to set my schedule for six weeks in advance. In other words, I'll say I'm going to be in West Texas uh, with the Permian Basin or the Delaware Basin, or I'm going to be in Dallas or Oklahoma City or uh, the Northeast or the Northwest. And what I'll do is I'll start. I'll just plug that into my calendar, and then I'll start filling my appointments six weeks in advance so i know where i'm going to be six weeks from now and so when i go on linkedin i will go there in there and do a specific uh filter search and i will find all of the clients that i have uh for example that are in the permian basin which right now for me would be well over a thousand clients customers and so i i never hurt and then if i have a cancellation i'm able to backfill that cancellation and the other thing that i like to do is if it's within eight hours of, of my home base here in houston or kingwood i like to make that drive because when i'm in the air at thirty-seven thousand feet in that airplane that was built by the lowest bidder i'm looking down over areas where i really need to be stopping in and seeing customers so i try to drive as much as i possibly can I agree with you on the driving, a lot of windshield time. Of course, I love to hear that, somebody who produces podcasts, because we've done very well with our podcast numbers in the oil patch because of those reasons. I mean, you know as well as I do, sometimes it takes two, three hours just to get to a well site, let alone right. let alone a meeting. And, you know, and th- that means there's a lot of um, executives as well as a lot of, um, you know, people who work on the well. There's a lot of diverse people who – are now open to podcasts and they, they need their hands in, in my, you know, their eyes to drive. So it works out pretty nicely on that. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. I want to share something else with yeah. you if you, if you'll allow me. One of the things that, that I think about a lot and have for a lot of years is the sales cycle. We talk about the sales cycle and it, it involves everything and it's, it's a, it's a never ending circle, obviously. And, and follow up is one of the key things. I mean, we talk about, uh, you know, getting the appointment and showing up for the appointment, doing the PowerPoint presentation, uh, death by PowerPoint in some cases, but, uh, everything right to the follow up and beyond. But one of the things that I like to do is I like to shorten or abbreviate things where I can. And so I've come up with a formula called FIBA. That's F. E-B-A, FIBA, and in the military, that would stand for the forward edge of the battle area, but in the sales process, it's facts, evidence, benefit, and agreement, and this is an easy way for a salesperson to uh, calm their nerves, if you will, when they first go in to see a customer. And also keep them on track with their sales message. So, you know, they go in and they share the facts about the companies that they're representing. They give the evidence. That can be anything. It can be brochures. It can be a website. It can be a PowerPoint presentation. uh, It can be a satisfied customer, anything like that. And then the benefits, you want to point out the benefit uh, to the potential client, you know, what the benefit is to them and and to to their company. And many of these guys receive their annual bonuses based on how much money they save uh, their company, and so it's easy to, to share uh, share that benefit. And then the last step, and maybe the most important step, is to get that person shaking their head north and south. In other words, saying yes. And uh, so that's a, that's a simple method that uh, a lot of these folks can use. I do a lot of public speaking around the country and overseas, and so I get to go in and do motivational talks for different companies and, and stuff like that. And and I work I work upstream, midstream, and downstream. And I never ever thought that would happen but that's where i'm at today 
Anything that we missed? Anything we want to reiterate? Anything that uh, you know we want to make sure we talk about here before we get going with our our other days? I guess you know that we're talking about when it comes to modern day sales, some of the changes that have happened, and specifically even in, when it comes to the oil and gas industry. Yeah, I would just say the only, the only other thing that I'd like to mention at this point is never assume. Don't assume. Uh, that, that you're not going to get the opportunity to, to close a sale. And then also during the sales process, uh, when you're doing your trial closes and the customer comes up with an objection, uh, the important thing there is not to shut down, but the important thing is to make sure that you've identified what the true objection is. Because a lot of times they'll throw up a smoke screen, and uh, so you can just restate what they have uh, given you as an objection and make sure that you've, uh, that you've got the crosshair properly on what the real objection is many times they just don't have the authority to buy and sarge summers how can people get in touch and uh, contact you if they want your sales services and your actually it's a sarge's industry solutions services that's right yeah that's right and uh, they can reach me uh on my cell phone would probably be the best way that way they can either call or text i love the text my number is 832-544-6836 and my email address is sarge at industry solutions, that's plural, dot com. 